Good morning. Today is a very important day, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. We are alive and feeling it sober. Any day, all day that we are feeling it is a great day. Seven years in reading, learning, and celebrating recovery to, together. We have recovered and we are recovering. So let's rise and shine and get on our feet. Press into this day with all the fervor that you can muster because a vision for you is taking this great deal on the road again. Come together, sisters and brothers, and get this deal deep down inside. It's convention. Unconventionally speaking, we do not compromise nor apologize, for we have picked up, wiped up, cleaned up out of the scrap heap. Now, boy, that sounds pretty bold, doesn't it? Coming from a group of fellows that cling to humility and gratitude. But bold we are. And you're going to see just how bold this is in recovery face-to-face -face when we meet together this coming November. Life used to be all about food and misery. Now it's the fellowship. It's the vision. It's the mission. There is a bounty awaiting, and there's work to be done. Visions has put this all together for you again in one grand location. So rise and, sh and shine and get to your feet and join a vision for you as we take seven years of recovered on the road again to northern New Jersey. Convention 2019, the power of the big book. Your weekend of inspiration, education, motivation, and building fellowship. November 15th. 16th and 17th at the Marriott Hotel Convention Center near the Liberty International Airport, New Jersey. Your reservation is awaiting your approval. www.avisionforyou.info at www.avisionforyou.info the number four, Y-O-U dot I-N-F-O is where you can find that. All the details that you need to be there, be live, is on that website. Deadline is in 18 days. Seats are going fast and they are limited. Don't be fooled. They are going to be gone. By the way, I just looked. And there's rooms at the Renaissance Hotel still. Can you believe that? There's still rooms at special, special, special cheap rates with continuous shuttle for you, all dedicated for you. And I also saw on the community bulletin board on our website, people are giving up a couple of their rooms. Can't go. Don't know why. But they're giving them up. They want you to have them. Go run if you want a room at the Marriott. This is one experience that you do not want to miss. Don't be saying, I wish I coulda, I wish I woulda. There is power in fellowship alive. And not so incidentally, one more important thing. There are a very limited amount of scholarships still available for those that seriously need it. No one need be left behind. Application can be emailed to JALisa007 at hotmail.com. That's J A L I S A 007 at hotmail.com. Attention, Lisa J. Thank you, Visions. Back to you, Leah. Thank you, Melanie C.
And good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, October 6, 2019. The share ID numbers for Friday, October 4th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 13,480. That's 13480. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 13,481. That's 13481. This morning, A Vision for You presents spiritual experiences and enough in the gray area of life. The big book teaches on page 143 that to get over drinking, for us, compulsive overeating, it will require a transformation of thought and attitude. The 12 steps as outlined in the big book represent a process resulting in a spiritual awakening experiences a way of deep and lasting personal transformation in which old ideas, emotions, and attitudes are set aside and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate us. The frantic search for more and more and more and more and more has characterized many of our lives. We believed if only we had more food, more love, more accolades, more money, more things, we would be happy and satisfied. We yearn for a sense of ease and comfort, seeking that comfort under the guise of ease and comfort under the guise of our hands, leading to self-destruction. The promise of the 12-step process is one of a spiritual awakening, experiences in the spiritual realm which profoundly alter our reaction to life. Certainly, such a change can hardly be brought about by ourselves alone. We have tapped the unsuspected inner resource of strength by working these steps, and our spirit is awakened. We find that we can be content with enough instead of grasping for more. Joining us today is Chris B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. Chris visited us about a year ago and gave an awesome presentation in June of 2018 on Step 1 and powerlessness. You can certainly look into that. Chris is here today to share his experience, strength, and hope with all of us, and it's with great pleasure that I welcome Chris B. to the line. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? You are being heard very well. Thank you so much for your service, Leah, and for asking me to do this service for vision. Um, my name is Chris. I am a compulsive overeater here in St. Louis. I'm grateful to be here, grateful to be alive today in peace. I just gifted. Every day is a gift. Every moment is a gift. And I uh, want to begin with a, a prayer to set aside everything I think I know for an open mind and a new experience and to see the truth of my situation, to bring all of our highest and best interests into this moment and to sharing this experience for the next hour in recovery, continued growth and strength. Amen. I have a big book here in my hand, and uh, shoot, the first one was given to me, and I believe it was 2007, at a, uh, a meeting of AA, because I went to AA to lose weight. <laughs> I guess when I uh, didn't drink, that was that was my first uh, best thinking attempt at uh, fixing my my problem with food, the food 
problem, I guess I've had since uh, I've been uh, five years old. And I have in this big book on the first page, the in, in line, Dr. Bob. I wrote this out, Clean House, Trust God, Help Others. From uh, some workshops and a mentor of mine, I also wrote some things that uh, began a pivotal moment of my recovery here in 2015, uh, which is what we're after is a permanent change in behavior brought about by the sustained practice of the knowledge that we've gained when we go through the steps. Three to five years is the time it takes before it becomes natural to do this practice. On the next page is the title page of Alcoholics Anonymous. Above, I have written love and service. Below, I have written, when we begin working the steps, we're after power and sanity. I'm not powerless over people, places, and things. I can have sanity and manageability in these areas with continuous relationship with a higher power in my life. If I do this work, I'm deserving of sanity in my life. I'm promised power and sanity, and I'm going to claim them. I love beginning with that and this work because it um, reminds me of where I began <laughs> and reminds me I didn't do this alone by any means. I don't have all the answers. I'm still growing, and I'm just beginning. Who I was before program, the year was 2009. I weighed 430 pounds, and I saw it ease and comfort in everything. I, I saw it in isolation. I saw it in TV. Um, I saw it in um, using pornography six times a day on my worst days or seeking food, 10, 15,000 calories a day, binging and purging. Um, there was just no end to filling the void that I felt and that I needed to medicate with. And it was all very spiritually sick. I humbled myself with this practice of looking up words and defining words as my sponsor of uh, four or five years ago, has uh, helped me see that uh, I don't know what a word means, even if I do know. Maybe I can learn something else I didn't see before, much as we do when we pick up the big book time and time again. I never saw it that way. Hmm. So words like obsession, I look up. They're very important to me. Um, and the definition that I like for obsession is persistent, disturbing, preoccupation with an often unreasonable idea or feeling. That's what I have when it comes to food. When it comes to life, for that matter, I have this obsession of the mind that cannot get a thought out of it, even though I want to stop thinking about it. It's almost as if I said, stop thinking about the word elephant. Do anything but think about the word elephant right now. And the word elephant populates into my mind. But they come in to my thoughts without <laughs> being prompted. <clears throat> and um, if I'm prompted, look out <laughs> by an advertisement or a, a disturbance or a triggering situation. Uh, this obsession just owned me when it came to food. And it's something that just dominated my life to a point that I, I needed therapy. I was completely depressed. I didn't know how to live life. I went from job to job, uh, quitting jobs, getting fired, uh, very similar with relationships where it just started and stopped based on perfection or not perfection. I'm one of extremes where all or nothing, black or white, is the only thing that makes sense in my life. And that's who I was before program. 
very much so. I was in a year of therapy before coming to program and doing something that I never did, um, which was not a diet, but something that was given to me by um, professionals or fitness professionals and just the thought of having 10 calories per pound of body weight to incorporate in an exercise program. I don't want to get too far into detail on that, but it was just an extreme, for example, that I never would have thought would have worked, meaning 10 calories per pound to 400 pounds. I was eating 4,000 calories of healthy food while working out um, and doing that to lose weight. That's how I came up to OA four months before. That was an extreme thing for me that I never thought I would do, eat more food to lose weight. And that's why I bring it up because it was a start to this, let's try something I've never tried before. Let's do something that really makes no sense at all. Uh, let's do something that just seems like a complete paradox and contradiction to my beliefs on the other side of the coin. And that can't be, that can't work, can it? And it was. And it was just the beginning by leading into OA of doing things that make no sense at all. And even more so, doing things I don't want to do. <laughs> doing things that I do not want to do and continuing to do those things to this day or how I get what I need or how I become and continue to grow as my higher power would have me grow to be of who I'm supposed to be here of maximum use to the people about us in this program. Uh, I was completely just broken and destroyed before program and coming in, hearing my story in the meetings, hearing that I wasn't alone was a big step into the door and a big step into a new life. That first two years in program were like all or nothing. I was in, I was ready. <laughs> Let's do this. And I lost 200 pounds, immediately skyrocketed into success, had a business, and had everything that I thought I valued in life. I was working with a sponsor, sending in my food, and we were in step four. And just, I was kind of like, okay, cool, I'm in step four, everything's going well. So he would call and say, you want to get back into your fear inventory or going to get back into, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll call you, you know, I'm kind of out there and all the while it, that had to happen. I'm grateful for all of those things that took place, but I was just doing it alone. Basically I was controlling and I thought I was abstinent for 13 months there. I was uh, eating healthy food. I defined it as eating every two or three hours, not binging and purging. And I was making choices all around my food. Uh, one day I would have six meals. The next day I would have nine based on that hourly time limit that obsession kind of created. <laughs> I basically gave the keys and the steering wheel to my obsession and said, we're good to go as long as it's healthy food. I didn't realize I was doing that at the time, but something deep down told me that I was off and that it wasn't right. And slowly, sometimes, but surely, and actually led back to my obsession taking over and me being in the food for 14 months. Um, I was completely broken at that point, lost my business, started getting my weight back, uh, and 
basically had to move in with my brother. I mean, completely broke to the point of I couldn't pay for a phone. And that's what happened in 2015 that brought me to this new experience, this new way of life. I mean, I felt worse than I did at 430. I was, I think I weighed 250 pounds at that point and uh, was on the way back up and a sponsor got in my face at risk of pissing me off and basically said, you know, I can't recover alone. Can you? And here we go. And we did a lot of work. We got on the phone, did big book. I called because I was more scared than I'd ever been scared in my life. In 2015, it felt like I was dying. And that's what it took for me. Uh, this completely revamping of my thinking, this new way of life to look at it in a completely different way and also to be scared and to continue to be scared and to not retreat uh, completely. There's a little bit, and when I say a little bit, it's <laughs> a lot of acclimation during that process because I still won't do this alone. But I look at it as the hardest year of my life and also the best year that was one of many to come. And it's only been, what, four years since 2015? I lived in my brother's basement, and I can think back to that summer of 2015, a month out of my last binge, and I woke up 5 in the morning on a Saturday, and I had $20 in the uh, dresser. Actually, it was like 40 But um, I felt like I was going to die. I mean, I was thinking about suicide. I'm down to $40. What do I do? I went for a walk, listened to an OA podcast, um, something on the West Coast, and went to the meeting, Saturday morning, 10 o'clock meeting. Uh, about 9 o'clock, sat in the car, my brother's car, I had to borrow a car, and I listened to more OA. I was just broken, miserable. Sat in the meeting next to my sponsor, shared my suffering. I went to a fellowship lunch, and went to my sponsor's house and we did big book in the kitchen table. I couldn't afford a phone, the bill anyway, so I had the phone and it was connected via Wi-Fi so I could make outbound calls. I couldn't answer the phone. <laughs> it just went right to voicemail. But that's how I worked big book. And I went in the basement and called the sponsee and was doing, helping someone through the big book, a fellow compulsive overeater. That afternoon, I returned home and I humbled myself to get online and ask on social media for landscaping jobs. And uh, that's where it took me. I, was, I began landscaping. I began doing lawn uh, work, trimming lawns. And that year in itself was entirely a spiritual experience. I'll preface that with looking up the word spirit. What is spirit? Spirit is a force within a person that is believed to give the body life, energy, and power, or the non-physical part of a person, which is the seat of emotions and character of the soul. If I have a spiritual malady or a disease of the spirit, it makes complete sense that I feel like I'm dying when I'm in the food. I feel like I'm dying when I'm blocking the spiritual access, when I'm blocking the spiritual alignment. And... To go and go from um, 
I mean, I have a huge ego. <laughs> and to, I was very arrogant, very close-minded. I mean, to go from owning a business and making my schedule, high-rise, luxury apartment living, sports car, and to come crashing down within a few months and be online. And now I'm trimming someone's lawn. It was exactly what I needed. <laughs> was, I was so grateful to have that. To look back and to be on a sunny fall morning trimming someone's lawn, it was just, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Working through Chuck C, a vision for, um, excuse me, a new pair of glasses with a sponsor or through Drop the Rock, through the big book. These ideas of humility, of change, of paying attention and giving focus to this moment, what I'm doing with this tool in my hand, these blades of grass, as I'm being of service, serving a purpose, and doing what my higher power would have me do at this moment. I remember many of my mentors saying, your higher power has you right where you need to be. Oh, (laughs) ouch. When that would, I mean, at the time, it was like, that's not what I want to hear. I wanted them to say, well, yeah, you need to go to uh, MIT and Harvard and speak to the world and go back to pinky in the brain domination, taking over the world, (laughs) because that's where my ego had taken me to solve my problems. So I'll just make a lot of money and it'll be a lot easier to recover that way. And for me, this is my experience where I had to be. I had to be broken to take this journey. And God also had me paired up with a mere brother. Um, I was in this Ford F50 or 250, 99 truck. I got to learn how to drive a truck with a trailer. And my partner that uh, mowed the lawns while I trimmed was one of us, perhaps. <laughs> I mean, the first day he showed me what I looked like before program and even during program when I followed a food plan and was scared for the first time like no other, how unmanageable my life was. This is what one of God's kids showed me. And it was frightening to see that, to see how I was like him. I mean, we rode in the truck all day, every day. And I could see who I was through his brother's eyes. Uh, One day we were actually on a huge property near a lake near and um, the owner actually pulled up and a super nice guy was like, you guys are doing great. Hook me up, uh, do a great job. And he gave us both $20. And I was like, thank you so much. That is awesome. Hope you have a wonderful day. And my colleague was frightened. He didn't know what to do. He was all over the place. He actually uh, said, we got to go to the DMV. I got to get a license. Um, I, I, I I mean, he was scared and I saw it and I calmed him. I tried and I prayed, but I also saw who I was not maybe three or four months prior. I got a birthday present for my parents. That was money. And I divvied it up in my mind between 10 different places to do like 10 different things I needed to send to pay off debt or I couldn't even pay for my own food. And that's what I was doing. And 
I saw it. It was a gift from God to say, have compassion for someone else. It was a gift to say, this is very scary, the way that I show up in the world when I'm not aligned spiritually. That was, um, I would say, a small spiritual experience, but it was also very big. I look at them all very similar. They could impact my life in major ways. But since 2015, getting on the phone and doing this work, it it's just so pertinent to my existence to build and continually cultivate a relationship with the higher power. This prayer, this dialogue throughout the day, God, what would you have me do here? Uh, that's something that was not normal thinking to me four or five years ago. It was alien. It uh, <laughs> didn't make sense to, to uh, talk, to pray to have a relationship with my new best friend, God, and to align with this unsuspecting inner resource, as it says there in the spiritual appendix. I didn't always practice that way, and I continue to grow in that area where I can see my brothers and sisters that are mirrors for me out in the world, and they're also my teachers. They're teaching something about my inner self that I may be denied and projected onto them, and it irks me or irritates me or disturbs me. It almost feels like I'm going back to kindergarten spiritually when I feel that sideways or that disturbed. But um, after 2015, I, it's just like, what, what's next? I mean, basically that fall, um, you know, winter came, and we couldn't trim lawns through the winter. They probably would you know, send us away. <laughs> we wouldn't get paid for it. So I actually went to a placement agency and I remember my sponsor saying, you know what, we need to do some work this. Uh, the last thing I'd want to do is go work in a factory. And he said that probably months prior, but I, um, I went to a placement agency and sure enough, I'm working in a factory and I got headphones on uh, a huge loud tool and die shop. And here I am to be humbled once again. I'm at work at 6.30 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon. And there were some very happy people that I worked with, more happy, more centered than I've ever seen. And there was also some people that were teachers for me. And I had to be super humbled. Like, how could this be? Making $9 an hour uh, is going to give me everything I need. And it did. I had benefits. I was able to save food, <laughs> to pay for food to pay for rent, to pay for uh, a move-out fund, a car fund. I even mean, had a vacation fund. It made no sense at all to go from what I was making, um, substantial money, an hour, to make $9 an hour and to be okay. And that was a tremendous spiritual experience. That's not supposed to happen. I'm not supposed to be free of my obsession and make $9 an hour at a job that I could have taken right out of high school. And I was very grateful for that. One of my favorite memories of that job was uh, there's no work to be done in the factory. Frequent occurrence would be machines broke down and we would get shifted around to different lines. as We produced uh, metal fabrication. I think it was lawnmower parts and John Deere parts. And uh, very monotonous work. I mean, one day I could be on a machine for a thousand parts for eight hours straight. 
I mean, that was a spiritual experience. I was praying the entire time. I would pray when I would freak out or be disturbed just to breathe for 10 seconds and to quiet my mind. My sponsor helped me that, quiet the mind. I mean, whatever I had to do to get through the moment, to work in a monotonous type action like that was something I did not do alone. I brought God into that, and I grew with God. (laughs) One of my favorite days was being sent out in the parking lot to pick up trash for an hour. I got to go out into the sun from this dark, dungeness type factory, (laughs) the dungeon of growth. And I called uh, my grand sponsor, and he was meditating. He picks up the phone. It was very cool. And he picked it up um, in meditation. And we had fellowship there on the phone for an hour. As I picked up trash in the sun. I'm so grateful to, to have that experience. And, wow, I'm grateful to pick up trash and to be on the phone while my grand sponsor gives me service and provides his time for me. I could not do this alone and and getting on the phone one to two to three hours a day in that first year were just crucial to be with another, to get in person with another. If it was a meeting, to do fellowship after the meeting, to go break bread with um, another, to be around the campfire and just talk about life, to just share time. See, my approach to life was anytime anything uncomfortable came up or we got near an area of maybe shame, some inner belief that if we exposed, I would feel shame that I believe would kill me. (laughs) I mean, that's how irrational my fears are at that level. I would basically go to humor. I'd make a joke. I'd get nervous. Let's do, let's make a reference random about a movie. And my sponsor was like, Hey, I'm not here for that. Let's, let's focus. And he was serious, and he was um, very, very determined to be about fellowship and about this work. He said things like, I'm dead serious. Here's a, here's a dictionary. Let's get to this work. Uh, my best thinking would lead me back into the food and away from what would basically help me and what would basically help other brothers that I could be of use to. And being of use and being in a spiritual experience is, <laughs> it's just, it's why I'm here. I, I'm continuing and growing along spiritual lines with everyone on this line, with everyone in meetings. And I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I honestly do not know. I'd like things to happen. Uh, my mind can go into the expectation side. You know, if I get, an allowance every day. Then all of a sudden my allowance is taken away. I'm like, what the hell? What just happened? <laughs> and those are things that my sponsor helped me see. This fellowship helped me see. A simple mantra of gratitude that I have everything I need to survive today. I've got everything I need. Enough food, enough shelter, <laughs> enough water, enough oxygen. And by the grace of God, I have enough spirituality. That's what I'm here for. That's what I was looking for in life, in the food, was spirituality, was connection with others, how to love, how to love myself. I will go into a, a major 
spiritual experience that happened at for me by all means um here it was mentioned before i began this talk about excess of money and excess of everything and not being satiated in life I mean, that's part of how i wake up every day in gratitude i wake up on my knees taking step one two three um and also step seven you know a removal of what's blocking me and asking show me who i'm who i am god without these beliefs but also being grateful for having enough my mind always wants more you know in that factory i um shared with me what I made an hour. I have a, a paycheck I keep in my voice recovery book. That's <laughs> there. It was, I don't know if it was the same amount of unemployment is, but I, um, I forget my ego will discount all of these spiritual experiences and these areas that have just skyrocketed me in this new dimension of existence in the last four years for the future. My my ego will discount and want more for something else. Just because I may be tired or I may be bored or I just may not be aligned. I may, may not be living in gratitude that I do have enough right now. And I work in a high turnover industry. I'm in sales. And I actually was going back into an area of coaching and uh, business um, in 2018 it was outside of my tribe, my closed mouth trusted advisors advisement. It was early, uh, it was January, February. And uh, it was an area that I was familiar with in the fitness and nutrition space and uh, just saw it. And I'm like, wow, everyone else is succeeding. I got to do this. And it actually was done out of fear. You know, where in the big book it says, when I'm in fear, put myself in a decision to be or made a decision based on fear put myself in a place to be harmed and I was doing that I didn't realize it at the time but I left my main job uh, pretty hastily out of fear about a month later and um, now all of a sudden I'm thinking about bankruptcy again I filed bankruptcy in 2009 and started with the clean slate but my life wasn't fixed I mean, that was 2009, a year before I became, uh, came to OA. And um, I'll share this because it was amazing. I, here I am thinking about bankruptcy and, well, I'm going to pay all these debts back because I heard something on a podcast in OA that someone actually paid back all their debts, how spiritual that was. And I'm like, well, cool. Well, let me file bankruptcy, clean it all out with the IRS and, then I'll actually pay it all back. But this is the way I have to go because I had left a job and it'll make this business work. And all the while I actually get recruited to go back into my line of sales. And um, I'm following up with the lawyer that I worked with 10 years ago and uh, following, looking up all these debts. And I work at this new job and I'm thinking I got to make this amount of money I don't, if I make more, I have to pay it all back in chapter 13. And I'm controlling at that point to not make that amount of money. And I'm 24 hours away from signing the bankruptcy to going forward with it. 
and the lawyer calls and says, hey, you have too much money in your accounts. You need to either buy a car or pay down some of the debts because the trustee is going to take it. And I just felt chills. I, I felt God was coming out and just saying, do not file bankruptcy. You don't need to file bankruptcy. And I didn't. That was August of last year. And I'd taken certain steps since then, got a coach um, and worked in my tribe, in my OA tribe, under advisement. I did things that scared the hell out of me that made no sense. I tripled my outgoing uh, amends as far as paying my debts off to the IRS. And, I mean, it wasn't easy by no means. It was in a spiritual experience like no other. Friends, I um, I share this with you all because it was a new beginning. It was like, it reminded me of 2015, how scared I was when I first surrendered to a food plan and practiced powerlessness. It reminded me of beginning again. And I actually was waking myself up in the middle of the night in February, a month into paying all this money out. I was waking up and I thought it was sleep apnea returning. I had sleep apnea, but I tested out of that. And I'm like bouncing it off my, my uh, sponsor, my, my tribe, my guys, and um, I go back into a doctor. And he's like, well, you don't have sleep apnea. Um, you test it out. And I was like, could it be stress? And he said, possibly. Could be in the subconscious. <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, I just looked at the side of it's, it's doing something that makes no sense, doing something I don't want to do. And what was happening was I was paying all this money out and my income was doubling at the same time. That can't happen. That can't be right. That doesn't work. That doesn't fit into my beliefs. It didn't. <laughs> and here we are in October. I'm debt-free as of August. A year later, my best thinking would have had me file bankruptcy, like brewing my credit for the next nine years. And God came out and said, don't file. That's not in your eyes the best interest. All signs are pointing away from it. And now I can be of service in a different way. I mean, how would God have me be? That is a gray area of itself. <laughs> I'm so used to black and white, all or nothing. Like, no, definitive. Tell me that I don't file bankruptcy. Just, you know, write that down, send it to me in an email and make it clear as day. Tell me that I will be out of debt in a year. And that's the easier way. Everything is known. But isn't that boring? I mean, I want things easy, but... I don't, because that's not exciting. That's not a way to live life. No one gets to live it that way. If everything's given, everything is known, I have a time machine, and I'm in control. But I'm also dying spiritually if I live life like that. And it's, live, it's impossible to live life like that. But my ego always wanted that, that given, the easy layup, the low-hanging fruit. And... I'm still growing along these lines. It's nothing that I did on my own. I, uh, I share that with you because it has a lot to do with my spiritual recovery. And throughout the, the way, I was 
following a food plan out of obsession. It's um, nothing that I did on my own. And I thought like, hey, you know, it's just normal. I'll start again and I'll file bankruptcy. <laughs> and then that's all I ever saw. And the first time I had that idea was three years ago. And my sponsor helped me you know, talk me down from it and said, it's painful to think a different way, isn't it? I'm like, yeah, it really is. Painful to change. It's painful to grow. And um, I... I can't say that that was up to me or my best thinking that I did this alone by any means. I can't say that I've been maintaining my weight. I've been in the 195 range um, for the last four and a half years, five years, month to month. I didn't do that alone. I didn't figure it out. That's a direct result of having a spiritual relationship be in alignment with my higher power. I genuinely lost interest in using pornography. I genuinely lost interest in binge drinking, in not paying off my debts, in being a sick person. I wasn't like I was excited to be a sick person. I did those, those things out of necessity. Those are just what I created my ego created all of those things. And I'm grateful that those things occurred, that that's who I was because that was me checking off the list, checking off another thing that wasn't going to work, checking off another thing that God wanted me to see without God, that I'm nothing, that I can't be. I have to be aligned. <laughs> I'm here to serve a purpose. I'm here to love myself. Is it loving to to lie or to do all these things I was doing before? No. But is it also loving to be honest and say I don't know everything, that I will be uncomfortable, that I will make mistakes, and I will be wrong? Yeah. It's hard. I, um, I have enough today. I'm continually satisfied. <laughs> Sometimes I am dissatisfied. And I, throughout the day, I can have a small spiritual experience, one that I've had daily for, I don't know, the last thousand days, where I just get caught up and excited and ready to get busy in my work life or ready to get anxious because that anxious feeling, that nervous disposition was all I ever knew. And when it does happen, I yeah, go in the bathroom or I'm in the break room, I put my hand on the wall, and I read a page out of the big book, a prayer, I just say, beneath the material world, life as we see it, exists this all-powerful, infinite guiding light of love, creative intelligence that loves me, lovingly guides me, lovingly prompts me with intuition. Through surrender, I receive the power to carry out. I um, get realigned with that, that breathing, A practice of the moment and just taking it in and knowing that I am all right right now, that I am safe, that God would have me vibrate highly, these high vibrating frequencies of love, of peace, tolerance, acceptance, safety, 
joy, the corresponding spiritual principles, the 12 steps, all of them are meaningful and purposeful. I actually uh, just had a vacation here a couple weeks ago, went to uh, Vegas uh, and then to Zion and Bryce. <laughs> I wasn't in Vegas on vacation, but um, that was the closest airport there. Um, and there's a river that's in Zion called the Virgin River. And this trail called the Narrows, <laughs> the actual trail is the river. I rented the, the boots, the socks um, to navigate these rocky, slippery um this canyon, the slot canyon that just skyrocketed like 200 feet up, gorgeous backcountry of this park, and rented a big uh, wooden pole to navigate. And I was, uh, I go alone on vacation sometimes, but I don't. <laughs> Do I ever? I mean, everyone there is there for the same reason. A like-minded individual, just like program, be in search of a good experience of something else to experience life. And something in me said a couple miles up the river, I got this hat on, this Tilly's hat, I'm Indiana Jones, and I'm going to go down this Lock Canyon. And someone mentioned there was a waterfall, and I kind of felt like I was seeing myself, like oh, looking, you know, let me just pump my chest here, pump my chest a little bit. And I went down that slot, that slot canyon. There was a few people uh, that we caught up with. We were trying to navigate up a waterfall. It was a few feet. There were huge, huge boulders everywhere. And uh, the terrain could change daily from flash floods. So there was rocks, I don't know, 10 feet above us that were just gathered in a little cubby hole. I mean, it was just a powerful demonstration of nature. And uh, I turned around at a certain point to get back to the main river and trail and was by myself and uh, realized that when you're navigating the river, it's not like a trail. It's you're changing direction. You're not going back down the same way, especially when you're climbing up rocks and uh, getting wet the whole time. And I turned around uh, next to the Canyon wall and my feet fell off from under me about four feet or so. I fell with this uh, 70 pound rock and between a boulder and this rock, bounced off my left shin. I mean, it bounced off it. I mean, it could have just completely shattered my bone and been a compound fracture, and it just bounced. My leg was numb. I could walk. It wasn't broken. And I was kind of in shock. But I was grateful. That happened for a reason. I mean, I had this ridiculous-sized avocado to grapefruit <laughs> hematoma on my top left shin, and I'm walking through this river and a canyon in Utah, and there's countless people saying they could help me. Uh, there's blood flowing from my, my shin. And it's kind of, I couldn't even look down at it because it just looked like a little football almost. It was huge. But I was fine. I was walking, and I was praying throughout that process. And that was the second day of vacation. You know, that definitely altered my um my hiking ability and I definitely couldn't run on the trail like I wanted to, <laughs> but, um, it made for a story. And actually it was a spiritual experience because I met and encountered many people there at Zion, there at Bryce the next day, uh, that were asking me for help and we're connecting, sharing the story of the trail 
and sharing the experience. And I'm still not totally healed. I'm on the mend. I went to a clinic and they said everything's fine. But it could have been a compound fracture. I could have been stuck in the slot canyon and had to get evac'd out. Um, but it happened. It was a spiritual experience in itself. Um, it is a gray area. What was going to happen to me? You know, how is vacation going to look <laughs> for the rest of, um, and it doesn't mean I just go it and just do everything spontaneously and on a whim. I have a plan. I had a food plan for vacation. I brought one on the airplane. I brought my, um, my cooler pack through TSA as I always do with food in it. And, um, I mean, the TSA agent even said, you know, they got to search it, and they always do, and I'm fine with that. And they say, enjoy your food, <laughs> which is funny because I do enjoy my food. But um, I, I don't know what to expect. I do have enough, and I know that when I am encountering these amazing areas of growth, I feel fish out of water. There's a period of acclimation, stepping forward into the scary, stepping back into the old comforts and old beliefs, that is. And that's a good sign for me. It's almost like a pattern that's a good one that, well, shoot, is this healthy? I can talk about it with my tribe. I can share about it with you all in that meeting. As I'm growing, letting go of a belief, as God's taking a belief from me, and I'm growing in a new area of life, I'm usually pretty scared when something like that's coming up, I do the inventory. And this year it's been being fearful of success, fearful of abundance, being debt free. What's that look like? Like being loving to myself. Oh boy. Loving others, mm. accepting others unconditionally, giving them the space to disagree with me giving them the space to maybe disturb me, giving myself the patience to pause, pray, and proceed. As a brother of mine shared with me recently, to not react. I see someone red in the face or in fear. It's not about me. That's probably the hardest, most challenging spiritual experience I've had in the last four years has been detaching from someone else's reaction to me and knowing it's a hundred percent to do with them. And it's not on me. My reaction will be completely different. Um, and it has been as I can begin to vibrate low in anger and resentment and get red in the face with someone just because I'm seeing and experiencing an all too familiar ease and comfort as weird as that may sound. I saw it ease and comfort in those low vibrations, in the belief that I'm not good enough. It like comforted me because I lived with it for so long. The belief that I'm unlovable, that I'm a victim. It comforted me because it's what I cultivated before I began cultivating this power, this relationship with this power outside myself, which is now my main source of comfort. And many variations of it, my friends, my goodness, many infinite, limitless variations 
of the presence of God through my friends, families, through my experiences at work, customers, through my experiences out and about on my own, and in the good life. I have enough. I've always had enough. I've got enough to to exist. More importantly, I am enough. I um, could not be more grateful to share this experience with you all. And it's only been four years since I've had this really next level experience in program and in life. Four years. I mean, that is like high school, college, four years. It, honestly, my friends, it feels like 40 years. It, so much life, so much pain, so much growth, ups and downs, and presence has occurred that it feels like a real-life experience. It feels like God would have me live my life. And I'm not done. I don't have all the answers. These miraculous occurrences are not of my own making. And I'm only just beginning. With that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Chris, for your inspirational presentation this morning and for sharing some of your spiritual experiences and personal insights with all of us on the line. Awesome. Thank you so much. The share ID for today's presentation, 13,485. That's 13485. Chris's contact info will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so please stay tuned for that. We will now transition to question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Chris by pressing star 1 to unmute. I'll need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Who has a question today? Star 1 to unmute. Can I be heard, and can I ask a question? Yes. Who are you? My name is Tom C. C is oh. in Cowboy. Okay, Tom Cowboy. Hold on one second. Let's see who else has a question. Anybody else? Kathy K. Kathy K. Kathy K. Kathy K. Maura Z. Maura Z. Mary Lee R. in Oregon. Mary Lee. Okay, let's go with that group. Tom C., you're up. Thank you, um, Chris. Uh, thanks a lot for your, for your share. Um, something that really stuck out for me was your uh, repeated references to my, my tribe, um, and I'm assuming that uh, your, your OA tribe, but maybe, maybe it includes others as well. Um, but for my question, for my question i i've been in program um for 20 a little over 20 years and um i can't say that i've ever really developed much of a tribe uh, i've i've had some good sponsors right now i'm actually looking for a sponsor um but that sense of um you know having a group of guys in program that are really close friends it, it's never happened <laughs> 
Um, and I've often wished I had more of that. Do you have any any um, any thoughts about how that uh, how you were given that gift and how how that developed? What 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 you did to be open to it and cultivate it? Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Uh, welcome. I appreciate the question. It definitely is a gift. I uh, began through a lot of work, but also it was that darkness before the dawn, uh, right when my sponsor, fortunately, was at the meeting that I, I, I went to, and he saw I was suffering and challenged me. And it began through that practice of get on the phone. I'm nervous. I got five minutes to spare. Um, I bang out phone calls, six, seven, eight voicemails. And that began four years ago. And when I'm at an event um, on Vision or at a Super Saturday or a meeting, I see other men, I get their number. And I do with uh, females as well in fellowship. But extending the network in this fellowship, it's the fellowship we crave. We create it. We are it. We become it through that very practice of sharing our experience and also meeting friends. It's like we're networking, but we're doing this because we understand that we all are compulsive overeaters and we all need help. Um, hanging out as far as having uh, guys in town or you know, my tribe actually is all over the country now. Uh, a couple are still in town here, but we're all over the place. And when we're fortunate enough to be in the same town or we plan vacations, we plan hikes out to Colorado. It's a, it's a cool thing. I, I do that through WhatsApp. There's meetings on there. There's also OA men meetings. Um, and it begins with phone calls and, there's guys I actually have never met in person that are part of that tribe that I met through vision. Well, it's definitely possible. Uh, when I was suffering, it's like, man, I'm, I'm looking for someone else. And when someone else is suffering, I'm definitely following up with them and to look at my voicemail at the end of the day and see three or four OA calls. It's like a, it's like Christmas morning. It's what I crave and it's what helps me. At night, uh, I want to watch a TV show, but to be on the phone helping another, it's a much better way, a much better practice. And those things have, um, have really helped me. You know, well, I will share this with you. My, my sponsor has a job that he travels, and he goes to OA meetings all over the country. And that's helped him build his network. And he's introduced a few men to me that I could be helpful to as well. And... Um, I I usually share you know share my number if someone needs help if there's a man in program or uh, even females I welcome but I um, trying to be a service and I, I get my number out there and um, connect because who doesn't want to talk about food right <laughs> but hopefully that was uh, helpful yeah thanks. Thanks a lot, Chris, and I'll, I'll look forward to hearing your number at the end of the meeting. Definitely. Thank you, Tom C., for the question. Be sure to register on the member contact list, and that will give you uh, privy to over 
5,000 member names and contact information as well. Kathy Kay, your turn. Thanks, Leah, for your continuing service. And um, thank you, Chris. It was really, really helpful and moving to hear your story today. And I am wondering if you can go a little deeper with us on what you do on a daily basis to maintain that alignment with your higher power. Sure. Thank you, Kathy. Um, Well, it begins when I wake up. I'm on my knees. And uh, I'm open to new spiritual practices. Um, So it didn't begin... Uh, at this exact format, and it's not going to end at this exact format. I'm going to continue adding things, taking things away, but I do begin on my knees saying steps uh, one, two, and three, and then praying. I have my breakfast first thing in the morning. It's all weighed and measured. It's been the same breakfast for four years, and I love it. Um, after that, I I do wake up early, though. I, I have quiet time where I... Um, I do read and then I meditate and then I get ready for work. Uh, you know, a lot of times I actually ride to work with a phone call in fellowship or in silence. You know, I, I have been listening to music lately, but it's a cool thing to not be rushing around in the car and just watching the clock and just always late. And I mean, that's the practice that helps me out to be, more peaceful. But throughout the day when I'm at work, um, I will share this happened yesterday, and it's a busier day at work on Saturdays. I'm in the the lunchroom, and I'm just taking a break um, for a second, and I had my hand on the wall, and I was sharing that, I was doing that prayer that I shared on the the presentation this morning. And it was funny because my manager walked in and was like, hey, you doing all right? You holding up the wall? And I was like, yeah, you know, it's the other way around. I think the wall's holding me up because I was connecting with God. I do that often, and I actually do it more so with trees out in the world. But that's just one thing I like doing is saying hello to a tree, putting my hand on it with that prayer. God is everything or God is nothing. Uh, Those are some things I do, but I didn't mention phone calls. (laughs) Um, many of them throughout the day and then uh, night as well. If I have five minutes, if I have 15, 20, it's a wonderful way to align. And when I'm in conversation, I'm basically in prayer. Whether we're doing work in the big book or we're seeing how God would have us be in that moment with the conversation, a disturbance from the other line, a disturbance from my side, Whatever it may be that we're sharing, it is all of it is spiritual growth. Um, I will also share this: if I'm an obsession with food, uh, that's right when I need to be on the phone and I need to talk about the obsession. That's a very powerful practice day to day. If I'm struggling with the food, or if I'm um, if the obsession is on me, I'm on the phone. That's how because I'm basically blocked, very, very blocked at that point, and I need to get unblocked, and that's the only way I know to do that. 
outside of myself is with another on the phone. But thanks for asking. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Mara Z, star one to unmute. Thank you. Good morning. And sorry, senior moment. I've already forgotten your name. Um, That's Chris. Chris. (laughs) Forgive me, Chris. Um, Thank you very much. Your share touched me. Seriously. Um, I have a very simple question. and, And I know you explained overall but can you speak a little bit more to how you overcame your fear of financial insecurity to actually letting go? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Maura. It is uh, a continued practice. So I have no idea if that fear, that belief is going to come up since it's been with me for a long time. But um, letting go of it was not of my own doing. It was through the continued practice and prayer. Um, and when it came up, shoot, I didn't always know it more. I did the inventory about a disturbance and that's what we do in the inventory is whether right through the columns, what area of self this is coming up with. Well, I think it's financial or it's pocketbook, but maybe I thought it was esteem and I just see what has juice as I'm going through what I feel charged to when I'm writing the inventory. And then when I'm sharing it, it's I'm getting very vulnerable getting uh, with an objective sponsor or another brother to share it and kind of out that belief or hear what they're hearing, but letting go of it is continued practice and knowing that I have enough it's continued practice in prayer and I have all I need. I, I, um, I, I used to feel uh, robbed or victimized if a, like an unexpected $30 bill came up. Or, um, for example, I have, I have two sets of plates from the DMV right now. I, <laughs> I, I don't need two sets. I think it's $30 I had to pay, and I have to return that. But there's something else going on there outside of financial insecurity. It's the belief on the victimized side. So um, that's just my personal um, beliefs that I'm working on. I ultimately know when I'm free of those more would be it's almost like a sponsor has to point it out to me like, Hey, did you notice that you were neutral in this, that you may have uh, forgot this even happened? Cause my, my ego is discounted. I won't even notice that I don't have the fear of economic insecurity anymore. It's almost like I just skip over that and go right on to, self-seeking and ambition and fear of uh, validation of not being good enough and success achieve when succeed because I need more. (laughs) So um, I'm very grateful that I have what I have today and I get to continue seeing what beliefs come up because the abundance this year has just been unprecedented and I don't need that to continue financially for me to be okay. It's the hardest thing for me to come to terms with. It's very, very challenging for me to say that, you know, money is not my security and to believe it and to own it and to live it. It's, it's just a wonderful thing to be, to know 
and to say words like, help me to know that you're my source of security, God. That if I have to pay this $30 or this $3,000 or so-and-so, that I will be okay. I know this is hard, but help me do these actions and help me know that you are my ultimate source right now. Help me access that power, God, your power. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate your honesty. Thanks, Maura. Thank you, Maura. Mary Lee R., your turn. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Chris. Thank you so much for being of service. Um, Kathy Kay asked my main question, and then another one came up. I just love how spirit works. And so, Chris, what do you say to someone that you're sponsoring that um, after a long time of abstinence is uh, gone back into the food? So I am sponsoring, let's see, this happens to my brother of mine who we kind of sponsor each other at times. So we're, ultimately we have the same sponsor. So he's kind of my litter mate, if you will. <laughs> but uh, I should say it happened for him. And I helped him through this. Um, we just love them unconditionally. That's all we can do. We can look at bedevilments. We can look at areas of unmanageability, what led up to it. We can grow, but I also listen to what happened because I want to grow spiritually through this and I want to help them. You know, hearing someone that relapses after a long time, hearing their story, is that not a gift for us all to to learn? Not only about our own recovery, but how to love them unconditionally and to, to look at it. And since I know this person I speak of, well, I can add some tough love in there. But it was, it's miraculous that it happened. Um, it was happening for him. It was happening for me, for us all in our tribe. And, I mean, we have to look at it. You know, things came out that I didn't, that I wasn't aware of. Uh, and that's probably what's going to happen with someone you're sponsoring them. Maybe there's an area of dishonesty around food, you know, where are they weighing and measuring. Is there something they could do that they weren't doing? Are they making choices around food? Um, and I'm not saying everyone has to weigh and measure, but there's something going on, some level of dishonesty in their step one. And there's some level of unmanageability in their step one that's led them over the edge. I don't know any particular details, but that's how I would approach it. Take a deep breath and then pray for that person while on the phone and see how to proceed, see what's best. Um, Because ultimately we're compulsive readers. We're not above the obsession. And I'm not above, (laughs) obsession could come back to me. It still does in dreams from time to time. And it doesn't mean I'm just incapable of having the obsession. That's the way my mind has operated for 35 years. And now 39 years. So uh, having compassion and actually going, uh, just 
back on the phone with them in person and having tremendous patience to continue to work with them and love them unconditionally. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Mary Lee R. We have time for more questions this morning. Star 1 to unmute. This will be the probably the final invitation for questions. Pamela K. Pamela K. Deborah, I hear you. It's faint, however. Okay, thanks. That's better. Who else? Star 110 mute. Great opportunity. Ask questions. Ann P. Gotcha. Ann P. Going once, twice. Kathy Jo P. Hey, Kathy Jo. Gotcha. All right, we'll go with that group. Pamela K. Deborah, I'll need the initial of your last name, please. Ann P. and Kathy Jo P. Everybody mute, please, except for Pamela Kay. Good morning. Thank you so much, Christopher. Your your share was uh, right on and so so positive. Um, I'd like to know um, if you... my, My husband and I went through bankruptcy in recovery. And it was very hard for us to make that decision. And now we live month to month with our with our income. Did the did the not the um, nine step promises uh, that uh, the fear of economic insecurity will leave us no matter how much money we have in the bank? Um, is that something that you uh, that you found? Well, uh, that the fear of economic insecurity has left me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I kind of touched on this earlier with um, another question as far as the it leaving me. Uh, it it will come up. I mean, I, I can't say that it's going to be there or it's not going to be there, but I'm not fearful of not having enough money. I um, I don't feel like I was fearful of it. Uh, good God, I mean, for my share from being, I couldn't afford contacts or my medication, um, my phone bill, I couldn't afford gas in my car or my food back four and a half years ago. So this neutralization of the obsession with the spiritual relationship with God and alignment over food, it started with that, um, I mean, that area was like my end-all, be-all, the compulsive overeater. I'm only in one fellowship. But all these other areas of sickness, including debting and being financially um, fearful of not having enough, 
that was, I mean, I majored in finance <laughs> and I was paycheck to paycheck my entire adult life, majored in finance. And then here I was broke. And that's what it took for me to become open and willing to receive the gift of this work and to do this work in the big book and the neutralization, which I speak of, of the, the peace of the obsession through the spiritual solution that came alive from the big book and our work together, that directly allowed me to begin some financial peace. It allowed me to express and practice financial love. My sponsor said, well, let's, let's look at this. Pay for the, the must-haves, things that I didn't learn in getting a bachelor's of science and um, a BA in finance was pay for food, pay for shelter, pay for your car. <laughs> I mean, those are areas I began that were like alien to me. Okay. Go work in a factory of $9 an hour. I mean, okay, God. And those things I had to be humbled by. And after that, it, it became like, the financial insecurity began leaving me where, well, shoot, I have this practice. I have my spreadsheets, those three buckets, everything that I need to survive is taken care of. Okay. Now I'm going to save for, um, I'm going to have a food fund, or excuse me, a car fund, a vacation fund and, and amends paying back debts fund. And I held on to that for a few years. Like, well, I'm just going to pay the minimum payment until it got to this point of how am I looking at bankruptcy again? Cause I filed in 09 and it got to this point of, I have too much money. I can pay out these debts. I don't need to have a savings. I need to pay out these debts. And I had a coach who works. Um, it's not in program or anything, but he's basically my budget sponsor. Cause it's something he does for free and I'll do for free as a pay it forward practice of love. Uh, as we sponsor, but um, it is, I don't wake up and fear that I don't have enough money. It just, it became a practice just like that of powerlessness over food. And it was only available to me after I started um, this step one process of the food and began cultivating a spiritual relationship that all these other areas of my life I lost interest in, but also I'm speaking of devices, cigarettes and all these other areas, but also I gained interest in doing something right and doing something healthy for me financially and loving. Like the universe will atone as we pay things back and and we'll actually gain more peace through this. So hopefully that did that help. Oh, yeah, let's assume that's a yes. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Deborah, star one to unmute with your question. Looking for Deborah. Hey, it's Deborah S. Sorry. And it's great to have these frank discussions and really appreciate everybody's service and all of that. 
I wanted to ask, Chris, you had mentioned something about how it was nice to go in the car and not be so rushed or, you know, you were planning better and have more time to do that. It's one of those areas that I think is hard also around recovery is praying around that character defect and taking the actions around that character defect. I'm doing a lot of actions that really help with planning, but I'm curious to know anything you have, your experience around that and how that how that character defect is something you've worked on. Sure. Thanks, Deborah. Uh, yeah. Character defect on. Well, it's. Um, I, I look at the the core belief. So the spiritual belief, and every other area of my life is going to be affected at this core level. If I'm working on this practice of loving myself more, and I'm basically on a collision course with success and recovery. This collision course with success means I'm going to be doing these things that are good for me, that God would have me do, that are loving, and that are promoting peace. And they don't really jive well with the chaos that I'm comforted by that was my life before. Like, I like drama, Deborah. Hmm. I, I still watch TV shows at night. I mean, I, I just some reason and they can be disturbing i'm like okay i'm not going to watch that and you know maybe down the road it's hey i'm not going to watch tv altogether but i crave unrest i crave these things that don't make any sense like everything is you know exploited deleted screwed (laughs) and like hitting the alarm many times or getting to um, my destination just on time or a couple minutes late those things promote the nervous disposition that was my life before. And planning can be this uncomfortable practice of waking up early. Uh, it can be, I'm going to dedicate 10 minutes to, to plan this out. Um, and I'm uncomfortable by this in many ways of just planning the trip to Utah. I plan the food plan uh, a month ahead of time and was I'm used to doing things spur of the moment. I mean, that's who my former life, that's who I was. Let's make a vacation tomorrow. I'm moving to Portland tomorrow. That's it. <laughs> Sounds good. Sexy. There's mountains there. My friends are there. Life's going to be perfect. Let's go. I, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I have a job here. I have a life here. Like I, The planning side is it's uncomfortable, and, and I need to go right where the uncomfortable place is. Because that's where the growth exists. It's on the phone with my sponsor. I didn't want to be on the phone with my sponsor. And I know it too. Like these areas I don't want to go, I have to continue going. Like I'm like, dang it, why does it have to be so uncomfortable? Dang it, why does it have to be challenging? (laughs) And the, the planning side of, I, you know what? I actually do drive a longer route to work more oftentimes than not because it's more peaceful. You know, ways traffic or whatever it is will say, here, this is the quickest way. You'll save six minutes. And it's usually bumper-to-bumper traffic. Well, I like going through the country a little bit, this back road that's kind of through some farms and nice, peaceful drive. There's no traffic. And it takes me five, ten minutes longer. But actually, 
it's like a deposit on my soul because it's it's just better. I prefer doing it that way. I like planning my meals out, meal prepping two, three weeks at a time because I don't like cooking it all in the same day or three three days at a time. I just prefer it. It's better. These practices, these plans, these things will take shape in your life, perhaps, and they will evolve. They're never done, just like our food planet. It's never done growing, just like our life. We're never done planning or adding these new facets, these new nuances to it and learning from them. Thank you for asking. Thank you, Deborah S. And T. Your turn. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you, everyone, for these meetings and all your service. And Chris, I listened to your first podcast, and it was amazing. And this was exactly what I needed to hear. So thank you for your gosh, humbled honesty, raw raw honesty, which I have a real problem with. Um, Thank you. uh, I am here in in Nixon, Missouri. (laughs) Hey. Uh, Yeah. Um, I am struggling with the spiritual component of this. And um, whenever I get onto a meeting, I always, I'm praying that God gives me what I need to hear. And what I heard today from you was, um, continued practice in prayer because I'm feeling like, okay, God, I I get it. I accept you as my higher power. I accept that I'm a compulsive eater. Now do it. Do it for me. Take this away. You know, I want it gone. And um, clearly I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm getting it slowly and I'm of the educational variety. But I feel like it's not authentic, you know, that somehow um, it's not as genuine as opposed to that, you know, miraculous spiritual thing, you know, like Larry Kay says, the the pixie dust. Um, I had something happen the other day, and I, it was totally God moment. And I shared with it with my sponsor and another friend of mine. I, I have a pair of wind chimes in my office that never move, <laughs> even with the ceiling fan on. But they're pretty to look at. My husband gave them to me. And I was doing some prayer, and the wind chimes started moving. They started crinking, and then they stopped, and the ceiling fan was on. And I was like, okay, I was in enough of a you know, God, con- you know, in with him that I was like, is that you, God? And they clinked again. And you know what? I I acknowledged it, but I kind of dismissed it. Like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. As opposed to my, my friend said, oh, my gosh, don't you know what happened? And I can't get that, that connection, even though that was nothing short of a miracle. And I'm just, I see how you pull God into every single moment. I mean, 
I don't want to hit rock bottom. I don't want to lose everything to get to that connection. I, I you know, I, I don't know. I'm babbling. I don't know what my question is, but how, how does it ever happen without being so broken, without losing everything? Thank you so much for asking. Um, I would say that it does happen. You don't have to be broke uh, financially for it to happen, but I can't speak to an experience of it not happening, happening without losing everything that we know, that we think we know, our control um, over life, um, my, my reasoning. It still comes up. I still want to feel like uh, the world is passing me by and it is up to me to go make the substantial income and it still is up to me to provide it's still up to me to go out there and perhaps um, have a relationship and uh, create a family and and so on and so forth and it's hard to let go of that it does feel like it's dying like I was dying I mean I look up in the sky looking at probably I don't know, 100,000 leaves on the trees on the yard here. And all of it is God. I'll take this out of Bill W. I came, I saw, I believe at last. Um, and it, it really is that continued dialogue, that continued relationship building with a higher power looking at everything and knowing that I didn't create the photosynthesis that put green and all these trees out here. It's taking it away as the seasons change. I'm out on a trail. I'm getting in nature. I'm looking at this trail changing. I'm respecting that I didn't do it, that it was something outside of me, that, that God did it. And by cultivating that relationship, I'm believing in it. I'm living as such. It, it didn't happen overnight by by no means, but I did have to be broke spiritually, which I very much was. I had to be at the end of my rope. And you know what? You sound like me. I, I wanted a definitive answer. I wanted it to end. But going through this reminds me of grieving. And perhaps you could ask for some experience from your sponsor and those in your tribe and meetings about those that have recovered, how they grieved. Because 2015 for me was the hardest year of my life up to this point. And there was a lot of grieving involved. We're grieving this old way of life that's without spiritual awakening, that's without spiritual experience. And letting the new experience in, in it, it is life-changing, life-altering, and just being very straightforward, it feels like dying, but it's not. It's a feeling that I'm excited for, thinking about, that I welcome, because it's a new level. As the spiritual path upward, it gets narrow. But right now, the beginning, it may seem narrow, but it's about to be very, very wide, very abundant. And I get chills as I share this because I didn't create this alone. And... <laughs> A miraculous experience and journey is beset for you and for all of us. This amazing awakening doesn't have to happen all at once, but 
looking back, it seems like all the memories of the last thousand days are compiled into this experience that is the new life and having enough. And just, it began with that simple practice of thank you, God. As another visionary shared, I'm yours and I trust you. Thank you for giving me everything I need to survive today. Enough food, enough breath, enough water, enough shelter to survive. I have all I need. And that's also going to come with that grieving, which is painful, of the old way we used to live and saying goodbye to it. It's an acclimation process that um, we all have to go through. Thank you so much for your question. Thank you, Ann P. Our final question for the morning comes from Kathy Joe P. Hi, Chris. Thank you so much for your share. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, my question is, you talked about pornography issues being removed, and you did talk, you know, I heard you say you get down on your knees. I heard you also work in the AA program and that you're in the big book. And I'm just curious, um, that just seems like a hard addiction just to disappear, but I'd like to hear more about that if you have anything else to say about that. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing about that. Sure, Kathy Joe P. Thank you for your question. I uh, do not work in the AA program. I do visit uh, other conventions like uh, FOTS. And as the message in the big book is very present and alive um, with all our brothers and sisters. I have tribes that are in other fellowships, but um, I only work the OA program. And I will share that a genuine um, abstaining from those practices was not, um, you know, my willpower alone to abstain from them did not um, absolve me of them. It was the spiritual awakening and the spiritual growth that made me genuinely uninterested in doing those things. Seeing what they were doing, I mean, very disturbing and it was um, demeaning to, to me, and it was self-deprecating uh, to practice those things. And that's who I was. Um, I, I joke about my sponsor. It, I mean, he's 12, 13 years older than me, and it seemed like before he was my sponsor, he was hardcore recovery. I mean, he had been in a fellowship for a while, but um, he was just, like, on fire for it and had mentioned about a masturbation plan. And so then, like, it felt like the first minute of meeting him. And I'm like, whoa, hey, easy. We don't talk about that, you know. <laughs> but he was serious. And in that first year of 2015, working with him, I was on a, a scavenger hunt. I was on a mission for anything that was blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. I was ready. I mean, I was any, what's blocking me out? What is it? And this wasn't even suggested to me by a sponsor. I mean, I became celibate, celibate for three months. I'm like, I'm <laughs> anything I got an allergic reaction to. I don't want it, but, you know, anything. And, um, I mean, I've been sober from alcohol for since like 2012, but those are things 
that I know are blocking me out that are not as God would have me be. Um, I'm here for a spiritual experience and I can share that with other men because I know that when my sponsor brought that up initially, that uncomfortable having a plan around masturbation, like as I sponsor other men, it's not something that's unique to me. As we walk through the doctor's opinion and the preface to the whole book, this idea of not being unique, that this happens for millions of people in the entire world, the spiritual sickness that needs a spiritual solution. It's the energy that gives the life force to my body. Life sets my body in motion and gives access to life to my soul is blocked and it's actually sick with the disease that's going to be shot like a fabric like fear through every pillar of existence of my life meaning all these other areas these vices uh, including pornography that I sought even comfort for that I sought enough of that I sought insatiable measures they're not there's just no um, level of there's nothing that's going to satisfy the obsession of the ego of my mind that's outside of God I need that spiritual solution and having it and cultivating it and continually realigning with it and being <laughs> I'm hungry for it it's what I need to be of use to my brothers and sisters and to live a life this way and to continue growing and be humbled by wow I'm not done ever I'm just getting started it is, it's just such a gift. It will lead to, that's in my experience, these areas that I am now neutral over. Like I, and I can share that experience with other brothers that I sponsor. And I can continue to say, you know, I don't know if I'm not going to be spiritually sick today, tomorrow, be disturbed. You know, I, I know that it's a, wonderful gift to, to show up and not be an obsession today. That's the smallest miracle. That's the biggest miracle four years ago. And now it's one I can't take for granted and have to be very <laughs> grateful for. So I really appreciate your question. And, um, and perhaps down the road, there'll be another way I can be of service in that regard for um, another brother or someone else, because it's, it's not how I live my life anymore. And I, I'm entirely indebted and grateful for God because of that. Thank you, Kathy Joe P. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Chris, for your humility, vulnerability, and your profound presentation this morning. It's a true delight to have you on the line and have this recording in our archives. Much appreciated. We're going to close from page 164. You'll notice it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right 
and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.